All right, good morning. It is good to be with you. I'll just get myself organised here. No, I don't. I'll knock it off. Maybe, maybe just down, down there might help. Okay. Well, we're a full house today, which is wonderful. Wonderful. And I've come back with such expectant hearts. I can hear that. Oh, I heard it today. And this is the beginning. And uh, we are going to continue in that vein with absolute no doubt. All right. Um, youth camp. I hadn't taken in that your theme was stand, which is quite funny for today, as you'll see. I think today might be the first session of camp. All right. I'll press start. Um, this is going to be a 30-minute session and then some ministry. So if you're thinking tw 20 minutes, I'm out of here. Well, you could if you want to, but it would be rude. <laughs> All right. So I want to talk today about alignment for a new season. And uh, I know that God's up to something. You can see it. And I wanted to show you in this next slide, which I don't have notes for, so I'll have to stand here and have a look at it myself. These are headlines from CBN News for two days in January. Revival in Cuba. Florida Baptist Missions trip sees nearly 5,000 accept Jesus Christ. That country is really high on the world watch list. 100,000 young people ring in 2024 with revival. These gatherings in America, the biggest one had 55,000 youth at it, but there were different numbers. This is, you know, to, to have New Life Youth Camp starting right at the beginning of the year. Um, this is revival. Evangelist has never seen anything like a spiritual formation, reformation that's happening. Thousands choose Christ. Nick Hall, he's rallying 200 young evangelists to cover his entire state with the gospel, and already they are seeing heaps of people come to Christ. And this other church here, it's called um, The Summit, planting 1,000 churches to offset the closures that are also happening. But, you know, exit the dead to bring in the life. That's a good idea. So our alignment for God's new season is vital. It's absolutely vital. And so what I want to share today is some learnings from 1 Samuel 1 and 2 about Hannah's story of alignment. But it kind of starts with me, really, because um, back in 2006, we were camping at Kaiteri about now. And I'd been a senior pastor for this church at that stage for just over 10 years. And every holiday for the last two or three, in January, at Kaiteri, I'd be asking God, is, is it now for me to hand over the senior leadership? And, uh, and always it had been a not yet. I had Chris, Chris and Ruth right there, um, but it had been a not yet. But this particular day, I was walking out to the beach from Bethany Park, uh, around past the lagoon, to the beach, and a, a particular place on the road, and the, the question was mulling over again in my heart. And this time God said, yes, this year. So I came back, gathered the leaders. We talked about transition. We got apostolic advice on all of that. And we had a great transition through to, well, the transition continued after I handed over, but uh, through to August 
of 2006. And then as I handed over, I knew, you know, we sang this morning, God is the Alpha and Omega. And uh, I had an ending for a season. And I didn't know what the new season was going to look like. But I also knew that I needed rest. I needed to be refreshed and renewed. And I knew that God would be dealing with some stuff in my heart. And one of those things was, when you've been the senior pastor of a church, it's kind of like identity. That's who I am. And uh, you can put that in your context. And I knew there'd be a bit of wrestle around that. But that's all good stuff. God needs to do that pruning and, and that preparation for a new season. So then it got to early 2007. And by then, it had been five months. And I was starting to think, what now, Lord? And there was no leading. And then came a day, I was reading my scriptures. I was reading in this Bible, in 1 Samuel. And uh, God spoke to me from one little phrase. And I'm going to bring that up a little bit later, so you have to wait for that. But let me give you the background to the story. 1 Samuel 1, if you want to follow in your Bible or have a look um, your iPad or the real thing here uh, where you can take notes as well. Um, and uh, so Elkanah had two wives. This is how the story starts. Now, that's just a huge mistake right there. That's asking for trouble, and it's not in God's design, never was. So one of those wives was Hannah, and year after year, Hannah didn't conceive, and she knew that bearing children was the identity and purpose of a woman back in those days. That was her fulfillment. That was, is what she was supposed to do. That's how she honored her husband. That's how she got her value. But year after year, Peninnah, the other wife, provoked her, taunted her, was really mean to her. But she actually didn't need to do any of that stuff. Because for Hannah, she was miserable enough. Because every year she saw Hannah pop out another child, and another, and another. And uh, Penina, or Penina, I'm trying to pronounce it the way it's supposed to be. I've always pronounced it Penina, but Penina apparently. Um, and Penina's name actually means coral. Now, if you've ever been snorkeling and rubbed up against coral, it's beautiful to look at, but the grazes, the pain of any grazes from coral, if you rub up against it, it stings. So don't call your kids Penina. <laughs> so year after year, Hannah journeyed with her family 25 kilometers, not in the car, not in the carriage, as we walking, a day's walk, they walked a long way in those days, to Shiloh, to worship God. And Hannah worshipped in spite of the pain in her heart. Now what we've got to remember here, and actually Jim Shaw brought this out beautifully in a post he did, which, Kerry, I might get you to put on the Thrive Family page, it's so good, on worship. And um, worship isn't the slow songs that happen after the praise songs. Worship in its true essence is surrender. That's where it starts and finishes. So we can talk about 
a wonderful worship service because the songs were great and everybody was singing and, and all of that. But God's looking at, did you surrender your heart a bit more today? Did you surrender that thing to me? Did you surrender that? That's when he sees worship. So Hannah was going and she was surrendering. But year after year, she came home feeling so alone and she turned around and there's Penina's children all running and laughing and playing on the way home. And she felt ashamed. There was a lot of shame, inferior. And I wonder if you, like me, have ever felt discouraged because something you'd been hoping for or something you felt God promised hasn't happened yet. Take healing, for example. There's a lot of discouragement around healing that hasn't happened. Or it may seem like your destiny is blocked, like everybody else is rushing ahead and zooming through open doors and it's all happening for them, they're prospering. They've got great opportunities. And yet for you, you seem to be just still waiting. And these rivals provoke you to jealousy and to doubting God. And it's like they've got the greatest of marriages, they've got the perfect kids, they've got the finances, God's using them, they've got the testimonies, it's just all happening for them. But what we've got to do, and this is one of the lessons from this story from Hannah, don't allow other people's success to provoke you to jealousy or to doubting God. So we've not only got that, we've got the scraping of the coral of others' success, but we've also got the scraping of the coral of coral thoughts. So see if any of these have scratched up against you. I'm not good enough. I'm not spiritual enough. I'm all washed up. My time's over. I'm not gifted enough. I'm not clever enough. Not popular enough. You know, there's no end to the scraping of coral. Leaving raw grazes that sting at the slightest bumps, like emotional bruises that counsellors talk about. Well, year after year, Hannah's husband tried to console her. And um, this is really interesting. He, did really, he really did love her very much. And uh, he, he said this to her, though, because he didn't really understand her pain. And often when we're in stuff, other people don't understand. And I think it's wrong to expect them to fully. But this is what he said. Verse 8, if you're following along. Hannah, why are you weeping? Why won't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Like, duh. Don't say that to your wife. It's like he's saying, count your blessings. You've got me. Just accept things the way they are. And I wonder if you've ever been tempted to listen to that voice of compromise. Settle down, accept status quo, scale down your dreams, take the edge off your faith. And as you do, you kind of conclude that maybe God's got favourites and you're not one of them. But burning inside you is the cry of your spirit for more of him. But also there is a cry of what he has put in there to be released to minister, to glorify him in some way. So the second learning is that the voice of compromise and settling for status quo is always the voice of the enemy. 
So year after year, the greatest cry of Hannah's heart went unmet, but she still went to Shiloh, and she still worshipped, and again she surrendered and prayed. You know, Shiloh means peace. It's like, whoa. And I wonder if you've ever felt that coming into a church service can sometimes be the place of greatest pain. And it can be because when you come in, it's like your spirit opens up and that opens up your emotions. And then you notice all these successful people around you full of joy and they're clapping and everything's going well for them and they're living total victory in every area of their lives. <laughs> Probably not in this church. But... I think they would have been raptured by now. Um, <laughs> so people make choices at that point. What I'm saying is you're allowed to be real here, okay? Yeah. Sorry, online. Um, and so people make choices. Some just put on the religious mask and just keep going through the motions. Come in the door, lift the hands, hands down, hands up, hands, wherever. <laughs> they look like they're connecting with God. Others become bitter and cynical, and this doesn't happen in this church, but they can move to the back of the church and sit there with arms folded, and they're just questioning everything that's being said or thinking about something else entirely, but it doesn't happen here. And, um, and then there's others that just quit. They quit church completely, and there's a lot of them out there. But there are those who press on in spite of disappointment, in spite of barrenness, in spite of the pain. They keep their heart open to God. And they journey through the disappointment and the grief into deep trust and even joy. And you think, how do they do that? I think of Pastor Ann Morrow as one of those, if you know the story there. But you know, in Psalm 23... The Lord is my shepherd. And it says, he leads me. He restores my soul. He gives me the green pastures and the fresh water. And not only that, he walks in the valley. Whatever the valley is. In Psalm 23, it's a valley of the shadow of death. It may be a valley of disappointment or of discouragement or of whatever your valley is. Confusion, trouble. What he wants us to do when stuff gets really hard and there's disappointment and all the rest of it is just to slow down and walk with him. Let him be your shepherd. Trust him. Because there, if you, verse 5, I think we've actually got it. Verse 5, yeah. Because there in the valley, this is what he does. He provides a table for us. He prepares it in the presence of our enemies. What that is saying is that he's saying at any time you come, I've got this table of where you can come and feast on my presence and the enemy is forced to watch as you love your saviour and he loves you back no matter what the circumstances. It's kind of like a little child climbing up onto daddy's knee and daddy's arms wrap around and hold that little child secure, calms them down, and then they're ready to do life again. That's the invitation 
into intimacy. And there is our place to say yes to God, whatever is happening. Yes to God, yes to his purposes, yes to his timing, yes to trusting him. Because our yes to God, to trusting God in the valleys and delays, disempowers the enemy. He hates to watch that kind of stuff. He'll turn around and go find someone else to annoy. But Hannah didn't quit. She didn't turn her back on God. And in spite of her barrenness, she accessed the grace of God. Now, and she worshipped. She surrendered. Her name means grace, of course. And she learned to access his grace. And some of us, instead of accessing his grace, we kind of do what's in Hebrews 12, 15. We miss the grace of God. And that verse tells us that if we miss God's grace, we open up this bitter root to grow and defile many to cause trouble. So what is grace? Well, yes, grace is the favor of God, but it's much more than that. It is the empowering presence of God, enabling you to be who God created you to be. That's the first thing. And to do what he has called you to do. And to be and do that, no matter what's going on. So another lesson from Hannah here is to choose to access God's grace and keep worshipping. Why? Well, God eventually notices. <clears throat> Second Chronicles, I love this scripture. In 16.9, uh, the eyes of the Lord range to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for those whose hearts are fully devoted to him, that he may show himself strong toward them. Now, year after year, Hannah was crying out to God, and it seemed he didn't notice. It seemed nothing was happening. And I wonder if that's been your story lately, last year, this year, maybe 10 years, I hope not. It's like year after year, you want things to change, you pray, you trust, and it doesn't happen. You know, and some, some people stay up on New Year's Eve to see the old year, to welcome that new year in, others stay up to make sure the old one leaves. But you know, something was happening for Hannah. God was watching her fully devoted heart. His plan and his timing were coming together. And it's the same for you and me. When nothing's happening, something is happening. Something is, if we are surrendered to God. So after all those years of waiting, there came a day. The day heaven and earth collide. And if you've listened to Chris Vallotton's podcast recently on Half Time, this is Hannah's Half Time. And if you haven't listened to it, it's well worth listening to. It's, I was so thrilled when I listened to it and I thought, oh, I'm on the same vein. So here comes the phrase that Holy Spirit quickened to me back in 2007. Here comes the youth camp phrase. Verse 9. Do we have it there? Yes. Once or one day, when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, here it comes, Hannah stood up. And Holy Spirit just quickened that inside of me. And Hannah stood up on the outside. But more importantly, she stood up on the inside. 
And it's like she was saying at that point in time, no more barrenness, my life is destined to be fruitful. So God, whatever it takes, key phrase, God, whatever it takes, something is about to change. You see, faith stands up and it stays standing. And part of what I believe God is doing in this new season is equipping us with boldness. And uh, these, all these youth that have gathered, you know, youth are bold anyway. They're just often not bold in the right direction. Let God get a hold of them. And that boldness is there. Faith stands up and stays standing. So Hannah's still weeping and crying out to God. But now something on the inside is standing up. And she cried out to God and made this vow. Now, I'm not suggesting anybody do a vow like this. But she vowed that if God gave her a son, she would give that son back to God to be raised in the temple to be a priest all of his life. Now, what we know, but Hannah had never known, because we can read verse 5 and she couldn't, it says, it was the Lord who had closed her womb. If only God would tell us when he's going to push the pause button. You know, if only he would tell us there's a divine delay coming up, but it's okay because this is what's going to happen if you stay faithful and patient. But he doesn't do that. Delay, pressure, contradiction, pruning, it's all part of preparation, part of alignment for a new season. God's delays are not denials. In fact, divine delay often means God is working in our hearts. Stay standing. He's found something in our character that needs to be adjusted or even formed before we can enter the next season. And God was preparing Hannah. He was realigning her heart motivation. You see, Hannah wanted a baby so she could hold that baby, prove her identity, her value and worth, and all that kind of stuff. But God's purposes were so much bigger. God wanted a leader for the nation of Israel. That's what he was looking for. So God pressed pause on Hannah until the cry of her heart wasn't all about her. It was now all about him. And a supernatural day of alignment came. And as God's finger came off the pause button, things were set in motion for a new season for Hannah, but also a new season for the entire nation of Israel and for those that followed. See, God's purposes were much bigger than Hannah holding a baby. And when it comes to our destiny, we're often thinking about my ministry, my influence, my significance, my fulfillment. But God is inviting us into aligning with his purposes and our place in that purpose. It's like God has a plan for your life. Yes, he does. But it's based on what he's doing in the world. And I woke up, well, I wasn't even awake, with this thought the other morning. Our individual lives are a jigsaw within a much larger jigsaw. So keep standing. 
And look, I'm sure as Hannah saw her boy all growing up in latter years, she, she just said, thank you, God, that you didn't answer my prayer the first time I prayed it. This is so much better. Your plan is so much better. So having stood up, made her vow to God and heard from him through the high priest, if you want to read verse 17, a little bit in there, and um, he didn't realize what he was saying, but he, he spoke something out that God used. And Hannah, her face was no longer downcast from that moment. Now, she didn't have a baby in her arms, but she was pregnant in her spirit with the promise of God. She's carrying something. And that day that God spoke to me, that phrase, Hannah stood up. I also stood up. And I said to God, okay, I'm standing. I don't have much faith because I can't see what's ahead. But I'm positioning myself. I'm standing. I'm positioning myself to catch the wind of your spirit. And I left it there. God remembered Hannah, verse 19. And we read that about Noah as well. God remembered Noah. Awesome when God remembers. It's not because he's forgotten. It just means it's time. And this miracle took place. The wind of God's spirit blew. Hannah received her baby son. And God received a leader for his people. And it's like history was written on that day of alignment. And who knows what history could be written in your day of alignment, in our day of alignment, as we align with God's new season. You know, the breakthrough comes as faith stays standing. And you know, there's always something designed by the enemy to keep us sitting. Sitting in doubt, sitting in jealousy, sitting in fear, sitting in inadequacy, sitting in apathy. But God is calling us afresh to stand up in faith. And in this new season, I mean, the, I could have given this, this message a more radical title, but I wasn't sure if I was ready for it. So, but maybe the title should be Radical Alignment in God's New Season. I think that's what he's really asking. See, there was another occasion in history where there was an opportunity for radical alignment in a radical new season. And the Pharisees, the scribes, the religious leaders, they all missed it. They knew the word of God. They could quote that, probably backwards. But they didn't discern God's new season. And therefore, they didn't align with it. And therefore, they totally missed out. Now, even the disciples, they struggled to radically align with this new season. But 11 out of 12 made it. And they turned the world upside down. You know, in a busy airport or during stormy conditions... You know, they put planes in a holding pattern, and they've just got a ho uh, circle at a stipulated height above the airport, and they've really got to stick to their height. And then they've got to land in sequence, not out of order, or there's disaster, as we saw on takeoff in Japan recently. You know, sometimes God puts us in a holding pattern, and we're just circling, we're waiting to land and get on with the next season. And just as those planes have to have enough fuel, they've got a bit of extra fuel on board, in order to keep circling, we have to have enough spiritual fuel on board so that we can stay patient and in faith through those delays. And enough patience to wait for our clearance when others are landing ahead of us again. And enough trust to 
to gracefully watch those ones land. But that waiting season, it's not just a time out for the sake of time out. It's a season of preparation. It's an opportunity to press into God and align for the new season. And there's, then there's a supernatural event released when God sees the pruning is done, the alignment is done, our heart and character is ready, the landing strip is ready, because sometimes the delay is because the landing strip's not ready. But I know this, that when you stand up in contrary circumstances, when you surrender with a yes in your heart to God, he notices it. The wind of his spirit will catch you. And things will happen. Your new fruitful season will begin. And it's bigger than you think because it's part of God's purposes. And, and for me, it was like just a few weeks after standing up with that prayer that God began to open doors into new things. And then Hannah went on in chapter 2. And this is Hannah's song. Now, she's, she's now weaned her little boy, Samuel. He's probably two or three years of age. And she's taken him to Shiloh to leave with Eli, the priest. And then she prays this prayer or sings a song. It seems like a song. And it's not what you'd expect from a mother who's just given up her young son. But it's a prophetic psalm, a prophetic song of someone who's deeply encountered God's goodness and his greatness through total surrender. And she has this revelation in her heart of God's goodness and she knows a joy in her heart now total joy because she's fully aligned with his she even prophesies she doesn't know it but she prophesies about the coming of Jesus at the end of her song one verse he raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap he seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor now I don't know if you enjoy dusting I do not as somebody said, it's like the dust jumps up, laughs at you, and settles down somewhere else again. And, uh, you know, life often coats us with dust. You know, the dusty residue of disappointments, injustice, misunderstanding, failure, shame, weariness, all those sorts of things. Just a little bit of dust at a time until eventually we're covered. And life throws ash our way. Loss and grief. The loss of a loved one dying, a spouse walking out, job loss, children stumbling, loss of health and mobility. It's like, you know, we kind of cope with the first little bit, the first few layers, but then we can feel like we're at the bottom of this dust heap and hardly able to breathe. But Isaiah 61, God promises to give us beauty for ashes. And I love the way Bill Johnson put this in a recent message. He said, ashes are what is left over after the enemy's been involved in a situation in our lives. He comes to kill, steal, destroy. So wherever there is death, loss, destruction, those are ashes. And God has purposed to take every pile of ashes, even the most broken, most painful parts of our lives, and turn them into not just acceptable situations, but testimonies of beauty and wonder. But for him to do that, we've got to surrender those ashes. You know, sometimes our ashes become a stumbling block, uh, even like an idol that 
we hold on to above God's love or power. Our psalmist quotes Hannah a little bit later on and he adds in there not only the ash heap but also the dung heap and that actually means human dirt. It's like, ugh, dust is a nuisance. Grief is suffocatingly painful but dung is disgusting. The human dirt, gossip, betrayal, abuse, criticism, judging, all that kind of stuff may be our own degrading choices but all of that God is determined to transform and to seat us with princes because royalty is our place. So, what happened for Hannah? Well, fire always falls on sacrifices. You can't give God something he won't bless. Hannah had five more children. Five again, the number of grace just keeps coming up. Jesus said, it is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Sacrifice and surrender always lead to greater fruitfulness. I wonder if I could have the band up now, please. And um, so a couple of, or a question for us this year. Holy Spirit, what does alignment for a new season look like for me and if you're brave enough what does radical alignment for your new season Lord look like for me and I'm not expecting you to answer that right now and here here and now because that requires you getting before God and asking him and spending time in that place with him I'm I'm still asking God he hasn't told me exactly yet but I know he's leading me he will lead me to what it is that I need to, what alignment looks like for me. And I wonder, for some of us today, is it surrender? Is there something we're holding on to so tightly above God? Is it about less busyness and more fruit? Is it time for something to end so you can have a new beginning? Something's got to be let go. Is it about prioritizing time with Jesus so we better represent him or maybe he's simply calling us to home base to work on home base to work on marriage on family to glorify him in that place to align there first so in a moment I'm going to give you the opportunity to stand if you want to but these are the questions Are you willing to stand and surrender afresh for this new season with a commitment to seek God for what alignment looks like for you? Or do you need to stand and shake yourself out of the dust of disappointment, failure, weariness, or even the human dirt of others' false accusations? Or are you willing to stand and surrender your ashes to God. Remembering that no matter what has happened, no matter what bad choices you've made, God has purposed to turn your pile of ashes into something of beauty and wonder. Or maybe you're ready today. I don't know everybody in this place. Maybe this is your day 
in 2024 to stand and surrender your life to Jesus for the first time. So having heard all of those, I'm going to count to three. And if you're wanting to stand and do one of, for one of those reasons or for your own reason, I invite you to do that when I get to three. So you've got time to think. And I want you to think about the fact that you're standing on the inside as well as on the outside. If you're just standing on the outside to make a show because someone else is standing, it's not going to work for you and God. One, two, three. Surrender is a, it's not a one-off, it's a process. And that's why we come and we worship over and over, because we want to go deeper and deeper into surrender, because that's our place of joy. God knows that's our place of greatest joy. So Father, I pray for all those who are standing at home, online watching this, or listening as a podcast, or those standing here in this room. I can't see anyone because I'm blinded by the lights. <laughs> this is about what you see, Father. Your eyes range to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for those whose hearts are fully devoted, surrendered to you, that you can show yourself strong toward them. So Lord, I thank you for the strength from heaven that's going to be released across this place in the name of Jesus. Strength from heaven because we've surrendered. Grace from heaven to be and to do all he's called us to be and to do because we've surrendered. We have stood, boldly stood in front of others, but in front of you, Father, and said, I'm in, show me the way. Lord, I release boldness on hearts today. I release fire on hearts today that your fire would come on the sacrifice so that your glory is seen, your power comes, your increase comes. It's as though that, Father, you can do what you're wanting to do in this new season. Thank you, Father. 